Okay. You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. CFL podcast, the Playoffs Are Here edition. My name is Oz Davis. I'm your co-host for the show. And joining me as always is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, are you ready? Ready for the playoffs? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess. It's here, right? <laughs> what else would you be ready for this show? I hope you're ready for this show, man. You're here. I'm here. Well... Ready and here may be two different things, but the show must go on. The show must go on. Um, right. Well, we'll talk playoffs very shortly uh, after this. I guess we're not going to talk last week's games because, as they say, going into any playoffs in any league in any sport, every team starts at zero and zero. So past is the past. We're going to go on to the future. And speaking of futures, there are a couple of teams in the CFL who will have a new future without their 2019 head coaches. Um, This week, Rick Campbell, quote unquote, parted parted ways. And I love when they do this. I love when they talk about one of these mutually uh, decided upon arrangements where the coach will leave his job. Because I always imagine the, you can't fire me, I quit scenario. I always imagine it's far less civilized behind closed doors than they make it out to be. Uh, I also thought this one was pretty funny because TSN, the TSN News website had two stories sandwiching a story in between where GM Desjardins was uh, quoted as saying, you know, at the end of the day, it's my fault. Yeah, except you didn't get fired. <laughs> you know, Right, and I would bet most of our nation is wishing it was the other way around. <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. I was not extremely surprised by this. I mean, somebody's got to be the fall guy even though it was pretty explicit that Red Black's management wasn't going to give him the budget in the offseason to sign free agents, uh, and everybody was pretty much jumping ship in a contract year. So I kind I, I, I feel bad, actually, for Campbell, because, again, I think he was kind of a scapegoat. And, and yeah, he is. He's kind of a hero in Ottawa, right? Well, of course, he's he helped them win their first Grey Cup in 40 years uh-huh. while losing TV. Uh huh. Right. So I'm kind of kind of surprised by that. I don't think that Desjardins will be very uh, popular next year or this year for oh, that matter. Oh no. no! I mean, he hasn't been popular since <laughs> right. February. So. <laughs> and that will continue. But again, he gets to keep his job. The other one kind of surprised me as well. Uh, Devon Claybrooks is fired by BC after just one year in the job. Uh, I, I, were you surprised by this? Because I, I just kind of figured that all these new coaches that filled up the staff, something like three quarters of the staff was first year coaches with the team or in general. Uh, I thought they were all kind of going to get a little bit of a pass this year. 
You would have thought, I mean, 5-13 and 13 after a 1-10 and 10 start isn't exactly going to endear you to no. management and ownership. But at the same time, it was a 5-13 and 13 finish after a 1-10 and 10 start. And the only reason it wasn't a little bit better is because they lost their starting quarterback a couple weeks before the end of the year. They were still theoretically in the playoff hunt until Mike Riley got hurt. Yeah. Because if they win that game, then they would have still needed literally everything to go right. Edmonton losing their games, which, well, they did. And BC would have had to come up with some big wins, which we'll never know now. But going from just putting this staff together at the beginning of the season, you would have thought that Ed Hervey being a experienced GM might have helped uh, Claybrook might have at least tried to help guide Claybrooks and for all we know he did to bring in some more experience but it was very clear at the beginning of the year that the staff was very very underrepresented uh, with veteran coaches but you could tell like from mid-season on it looked like they were starting to figure out what was going on and how to get things going sure it was Toronto and Ottawa and the like but it it's a stepping stone. It was something to build on, and now they're going to tear it down. I don't get it. Well, I mean, at very least, you're not losing night games in BC, right? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the year, it doesn't matter who you're playing. At the beginning of the season, you're losing that game, and that's the game you're supposed to win every year. Um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, Wally Buono retired. <laughs> and, and in sports, we love to throw around end of an era. We love to throw that around. But that really was the end of an era. I mean, he was the overlord of that team, whether head coaching or not, for a very long time. And and they they literally shuffled the entire deck, the whole new roster, whole new coaching staff, more or less. Um, I, I can't believe they couldn't wait another year on this i mean the losing season's in the book they missed the playoffs okay let's let's build on this as they used to say well there was something to build on at the end of the year though yeah if they would have finished three and 15 sure maybe there's not a lot there maybe they scorched the earth that season but they had come from they had already done that and they were starting to improve Claybrooks is young coach. He's got young coaches on his staff. They were learning how to make things go, and it wasn't. It just wasn't enough. I don't understand. Unless it was the only thing I could possibly think it could be, is it was Ed Herbie tossing him under the bus to keep his own job. Yeah, see again. Yeah, it could very well be. But I'm surprised at that too. I mean, Herbie only came on two years ago, right? I mean, he's. You know, I mean, it's not like he's he's been there forever. I mean, I, I just don't understand. I mean, OK, I know that the mentality in sports is win now. I know that since the Red Blacks came along, um, you know, everybody in the CFL thinks that you should be able to do that. You should be able to to win in a year, year and a half. Um, but I don't uh, know, I, man. I, not I in think, this case. Not. I think case. just about everybody had BC stump early you're right it's just that they stumbled far longer than we <laughs> right. expected the general slope of the season was this was exactly how i thought it was going to be it's just that the, the upward turn didn't happen for like five or six weeks longer than i thought it was was gonna do yeah 
Yeah. As it turns out, you need viable players on the offensive line. That helps. <laughs> and uh, and I, from the sounds of it, the, the change in coach helped there. Uh, they were able to start getting some pieces together there, but that uh, offensive line didn't help yeah. matters at all. Yeah, yeah that was the – that was the that was the problem and 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 by midseason I'm sure Riley was having flashbacks to his Eskimo days, uh, the last couple of years in Edmonton. In any case, um, let's uh, let's talk next week's games, man. I'm on pins and needles. Are you? Yeah, I've got nerves. <laughs> <laughs> First time uh, in the history of the Rouge, White, and Blue. There you go. First all time in the history of the Rouge, White, and Blue that both our teams are in the playoffs. Both our teams are in the playoffs the first week. Okay, I want to, I really, I, can I say this? I just want to say really quick, first off, I'm a little bit disappointed. I kind of wish that the CFL had done the NFL thing and put one game on Saturday and one game on Sunday. I I, I don't know. I, I, I thought that might have been nice because, wow, Sunday is going to be, usually my Sunday is a wall of football already, but wow, now it's going to be like four walls of football at the same time. First game first. Okay. I'm going to quote this in context of the line, and then I'm going to do my disclaimer. Okay. Edmonton Eskimos, one and a half point underdogs at Montreal. Okay, now. That's the slap in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You stole my thunder, Joe. I just wanted to say this. Um, You know, I, I I say this on the show from time to time. Okay, again. You know, I look at these things in context of the point spread, not only just because very often we talk about NFL games in the States like this, but also because, you know, I'm interested in gambling, okay? It is not an endorsement to gamble, okay? Gambling is not good for some people. Some people can't handle it. If you can, ha- if you can have fun with it, great. Okay, but I think that the point spread is always relevant because the bookmakers are the ones who stand to win or lose millions of dollars on this game. Okay, Trevor Harris is going to get paid no matter who wins or loses. Vernon Adams is going to get paid no matter if he gets sacked five times and throws three picks. He's going to get paid the same amount. The bookmakers may not. So they know what they're talking about. But Joe, what are they talking about here? What's going on? The, the only thing I can think is they're looking at Vernon Adams mm-hmm. going, are you going to throw five touchdowns or five picks? There's really no middle ground here. So in their minds, I'm playing them here. They really, they're probably thinking there's no middle ground. Either he's going to blow things up uh, and uh, make this game over early in favor of Montreal, or it's going to do he's going to do the exact opposite. Because uh, we have seen over the course of the season, he is quite the gunslinger. He likes to throw the ball around, uh, get it into tight spots, and sometimes that turns into a brilliant, brilliant play. And sometimes that turns into no, <laughs> just no. Yeah. So I'm my thought on this is that the bookmakers are going, well, Edmonton's got a pass rush. They could force him into throwing a lot of bad, ill-advised passes. And if the defense doesn't drop three picks, Adams is going to throw five. So right. do they catch him or do they, do they drop him? Right. In my, in my notes for how Edmonton wins this game, I had three words, Vernon Adam mistakes. I mean, because basically, in all other aspects of the game, this is 
the one opponent that the Alouettes want in the playoffs. I mean, all the strengths of the Eskimos are balanced by the Owls. For example, I mean, I was looking this up. Okay, Trevor Harris, right? Uh, he's, uh, you know... Okay, first of all, I think they're giving Trevor a lot of stock here, like they've pretty much been doing all season. I mean, he's played one game in the past eight weeks, and he does lead the league with a 71% completion rate, I think. But again, this is the, the worst team in the playoffs in the red zone, possibly the worst team in the CFL. I don't know how many times Ottawa actually got in the red zone this season, so they were probably... Yeah, so they were probably a little bit better than that because they probably went about 20% at that point. Um, You know, but on the other hand, the Alouettes allow that sort of completion rate anyway. They've been doing that all season, and they're not giving up the most points in the league, right? Okay, the other one is on the defense, the Eskimo, I'm sorry, on the offense, the Eskimo strength is that line. Right. The line leads the league with only having surrendered 25 sacks. But guess what? The Alouettes don't pass rush. They're last in the league in sacks. Okay, they're not into that. They just again, the Owls are just going to hold back and let the Eskimos play exactly the game they want to play, which is get a lot of yards and no points. You know, again, there is absolutely no reason why the Alouettes are not favored by more. I mean, they're the home team. They automatically, in Canadian ball, should be getting four points at the sportsbook. I really, really, really think they're putting a lot of stock on Vernon Adams cracking. So I guess my question for you, Joe, is, is he going to crack? Nope. Ooh, nice. I don't. Here's here's Thank the you. problem I've had with Edmonton all season. There's a reason I chose them to finish seven and eleven, and last in the West, which didn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. But I picked them to finish seven and eleven, and they finished eight and ten. They have a lot of talent. They haven't been able to harness it. Uh, Trevor Harris throws great percentage, but it, they don't finish their drives in the red zone, mm-hmm. and they're always always good for a couple of just back-breaking, mind-numbingly stupid penalties. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, They're too. They're the that... team that's going to crack right. out Montreal. Right. The Eskimos do lead the league in penalties, and the Alouettes are among the leaders in not getting penalties. Kudos to Kari Jones on that score, by the way. Um, you know, and, and you know, here's another one. Um, you know, the Al's are kind of stumbling into the playoffs they're four and four in their last eight games however they are three and one at home in that stretch and the one loss was that silly hamilton game which i count as half a win or a moral victory however you want to however you want to count it i mean i i think this is going to be a high scoring game um and if it is then i don't see how montreal loses I think they're going to win. I think Sean Wayne kicks five field goals. Mm-hmm. Edmonton scores one touchdown. They okay. they score around 20, 20-ish points. Montreal puts up 30. And Edmonton's got a shot at the end to either stop Montreal and get the ball back or they're driving on themselves. And somebody takes a really selfish, dumb 15-yard penalty. And that's <laughs> I think you've predicted this before this season. <laughs> Uh, and I've usually been right when I, I th- Yes. Yes. They do have a knack for the dumb penalty at the bad time. <laughs> Just the yeah, penalty. Granted, they, it feels like every once in a while that they get 
the raw end of the deal on the in live action plays sometimes it seems like well they're not getting the calls because of their reputation possibly but then somebody goes and does something really stupid a couple minutes later and it's like oh yeah that's right that's why they do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right okay so yeah i'm gonna take the alouettes as well and i'll definitely take them minus a point and a half um right so the other game of course is joe's beloved winnipeg blue bombers at Calgary Stampeders, they are six-point underdogs. That's pretty much what you'd expect, I think. That one's not mind-blowing there. Winnipeg, in this game, pulls off the almost mathematically impossible three straight games against an opponent, right? Because the only way to do it would be to have that buy in the last week. I don't think the CFL is ever going to schedule uh, the last two weeks of the season with two teams facing each other. Back uh, back, actually, so. you're wrong. Because oh, really? Okay. Saskatchewan and Edmonton did did that that exact thing. Wait, did they? Let's see. They did. Oh, yes, they're right. They did. Oh, wow. Weird. Okay. Well, maybe we'll see and this again. That that happened a couple of years ago too. I want to say it was 15, where it's Ottawa and Hamilton, basically playing off for the East, and Ottawa won both of them, I believe. Yes, you may be right. You may be right. Okay. But then they didn't meet again in the playoffs, right? They met in, a week after because right, Hamilton had to in the finals. Right, right, in the finals. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so, so yeah, rare three-peat for the Bombers. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I mean, this I – mean, Joe's, Joe's going to give you the cynical line in a minute, listeners. But uh, i got to say, um, you know, these games have been close. I mean, the Bombers have actually won two out of the three. Um, the three games were decided by two, four, and one points. Of course, the Stamps won at home, where they were eight and one this year, and uh, they're on a seven and two run overall going into the playoffs. Uh, the Stamps' biggest loss of the season was by seven points this year at Hamilton in Week Five. Uh, the Bombers, I, I again, here's a team going in cold. Don't mean to rub it in, Joe. Two and four in their past six, three and five in their past eight. But lots of new excitement generated by Zach Caleros. Now, Caleros is the X factor here, right? That and possibly the weather. Mm-hmm. It's seen, the, the weather forecast I've seen for this so far, it's going to be chilly. And that may or may not hamper the passing game. But if it does, I mean, that's totally advantage Winnipeg, isn't it? Well, yeah, you would think so. You would think so. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. After the game, they asked Bo Levy about this, and he said, I hope it snows. And I thought that was pretty gutsy for a guy who lost on a freak play in the Grey Cup because of snow. I mean, uh, I, I was kind of surprised. He's got a short-term uh, memory there, memory problem there. Uh, well, which is a good thing when you're a quarterback, right? You forget the bad stuff. <laughs> now, here's why I here's why I, I think he may have had a point, though. Okay. If it's snowing, you know, a good layer of snow on the field where it's you're not getting good traction, the receiver might slip making a cut, but if he doesn't, how is that defender going to keep up with him? Mm. Yeah, you may be right. You may be right. And uh, Mr. Bagleton, 
has been eating it up all season. And uh, he's had some pretty decent games against the Bombers as well uh, this season, if I recall correctly. So, yeah, this would be Bagleton's game if it does snow, I suppose, in this argument. Um, I don't know. I guess, I mean, how much is Bo and the Calgary offense in general worried about this Winnipeg defense? who the official website cfl.ca just broke out the stat the other day, which said that they've allowed like the second fewest yards rushing uh, since 58 or something crazy like this, like the last time it was done in the 90s by the Stampeders. And uh, now some of that has to do with the way that the game is played nowadays, but Big Hill and the boys got a pretty nice front going on there. Um, Is this going to be a factor? Calgary has not relied very much on the run this year. No, and they've had injuries at the position and have played to some Canadian talent there, too. Uh, that was, uh, I believe, uh, leader was more of a fullback type. Uh, so they haven't really spent a lot of time focusing on the run. They've just let their quarterbacks air the ball out, which, well, that's the where the talent lies on the team is more in the receiving court than in the backfield. Uh Jackson and uh, leader when they do decide to hand the ball off, it seems to be pretty effective, but they don't do it a whole lot. Uh, now I'm not too, if I'm Calgary though, I'm sitting here going, okay, we lost two to the bombers, but both of our losses to the bombers were in Winnipeg and right. our special teams didn't help us either. Right. Time. Right. Right. I'm not, I, I'm go. I'm feeling pretty confident. I mean, I'm not, I'm not booking, you know, I'm not sitting there going, telling my family to book the hotels for next week or anything. <laughs> but I'm sitting here going, we're in a good spot. You really got to go to Saskatchewan for the championship? Why not? Really? Wow. All right, Joe. All right. Well, because you had such a – I mean, as I understand it, you still have PTSD from the last time you went to Regina. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean <laughs> – yeah, there's no, there's no way I can get away. I, I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, but I was, th- I was saying that in the stamps point, from the stamps point of view, there, where they're feeling pretty good about things. Oh, okay, okay. The bombers yeah. should feel decent about things now too, because it looks like they have somebody that's going to be able to run a more than one-dimensional offense at this point. Uh, so there's that. He did play well in his, in, in his lone start, but. Weighing all the factors right now, I think Calgary by six is a pretty darn good line, if I do say so myself. And it's probably going to come down to a play or two, a kick or two, and it's going to be a really good game. All three of them have been. Yeah. But if I had to put money down on this, I'm putting it down on the Samps. Six is almost as much as all three games were decided by uh, so far. It's as much as the point. The point differential in all three games has been seven combined, so... I mean, six is a lot. Six is a big spread for this game, actually. Okay, what's the blueprint, meteorology aside, to a Winnipeg win? A couple of Calgary special teams gaffes will help. Uh, Janarian Grant taking a kickback would be a huge thing. Uh, Rennie Paredes not being on target uh, as much as he has been in the past would also help because uh, that's taking points off the board for Calgary. Uh, Kolaros playing like he did 
in his lone start would be a huge would be a huge deal for Winnipeg. Uh, Calgary not being able to find a way to um, better defend him would would really help. Uh, and maybe just a, an overconfident throw or two from Bo Leva, thinking he can make a throw that he can't. And then, with all of that said not making the crucial mistake at the end because if that all happens it's going to be a one play game at that point but you're depending you're depending on a lot of below stamps play from the stamps but and that's how but that's exactly how the two Winnipeg wins have come about yeah i guess was paredes make missing kicks was Janarian grant making a return or two it was a missed field goal here and there by paredes it, it was mistakes that calgary doesn't normally make that they made in winnipeg cashed in on they're going to have to have that happen again same situation for calgary if Winnipeg makes a mistake, they they got to cash in on it. They're more likely to win a straight up nobody makes mistakes or both teams make equal mistakes games. Right. But when the opportunity presents itself, they've got to finish too. And that's not quite as much of a guarantee as it has been the last five years in my mind. Mm-hmm. Oh no no no! Of course not! Of course not! With all the with all the shifting that happened in the off season. Um, I am far less confident about this particular Calgary team than, you know, in what, since the start of the decade, maybe? <laughs> I don't know how out of hand I want to get. Maybe maybe since they had Cornish. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've been this um, underconfident uh, in the Stamps. But I don't know. I would... I. I got to try and bet this one <laughs> because I would really love to do the um, Winnipeg covers, uh, but Calgary wins. I could see that as a definite, yeah. definite possibility. Yeah, because the way that this is played out, I don't think Winnipeg is intimidated anymore. Uh, I think that Kolaros is going to f- pull a few tricks out of the bag. I think I think the the key to this game, Joe, could quite possibly be a couple of surprising plays. You know, it could be. You think you think that uh, Lapo or O'Shea has something yeah. set aside for this? Yeah. See, I want to see like Harris throw the ball, you know, or something. The, uh, or Darvin Adams because he's pretty. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. I. I I think, yeah, I think that the the bombers should play it real conservatively, except like twice, <laughs> just sort of, you know, just surprise everybody and, and make a big play. I, 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 because again, like like we've seen Calgary lose in the playoffs, and it comes down to either you know Henry Burris, you know, being Henry Burris, or a freak play. I mean, this, it, and, you, and you know where your opportunity is? Second and one. Okay. All right. They've been doing it all season. Okay. Uh, with Streveler, of course. And McGuire did it uh, the last game, too, where they line up for the sneak, drop back, and throw the ball downfield. And when it's second and one, I don't know why you don't just kind of let the Bombers have that. 
to avoid the big play. Third and one, go for it. Try to make them make that yard. But on second and one, they're going to get a second shot, even if you stuff it the first time. So why not be careful? Actually, this is I, – I keep wanting to, to, to wrap this, but then we keep I keep remembering new aspects to this game. CFL.ca is trying to push this one recently to that. Um, maybe we'll see a mix of uh, Kolaris and Streveler. Do you expect Streveler to actually have some passing downs or even some, like, wildcat downs? I don't know if he even plays. He didn't practice today. Really? Ooh. Yep. He practiced yesterday, came back today, and just was not in good enough shape to go out there today. Important news. We should note that today in this case is Thursday, the 7th of November. Um, Right. So then McGuire is going to be your guy on third and short? Yep. Uh, Just like he was uh, in week 20. Right. Right, 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 right. Wow. Wow, very interesting. Okay, I am stoked for these games. Joe, I know you're stoked. It's going to be fun. Uh, I, can't, I can't imagine the West Semi being a blowout either way. Uh, the ending might want, might make me want to tear the rest of my hair out, but I think I'm going to enjoy most of the afternoon. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to enjoy the Alouettes possibly destroying the Eskimos. And I know I've been tough on the Eskimos. Actually, this is going to be a total karma thing. It's going to be like 37 to 6, Edmonton. (laughs) I've been ripping on the Eskimos too much lately. I think the football gods are looking unkindly on me. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. All right, Joe, why don't you take us out of here? Give us some uh, words of wisdom. Oh, besides look for the big weird play from uh, Winnipeg on second one. Besides that. Look for one on special teams, too. Okay. If O'Shea's got anything, this is where it comes out. Brilliant. All right. Well, we're definitely leaving uh, leaving it on that. Joe, that was a high mark in your history at the Roos White and Blue, I think. For my co-host, Joe Pritchard, I'm Oz Davis. This has been the Roos White and Blue CFL podcast. Enjoy the first round of the CFL playoffs, but not too much, Edmonton fans. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.